Oh, put that on our riches list. He'll fix it. Oh, gosh. Everyone feeling good? Welcome to 10 a.m. I'm like hyperventilating up here. It's too early for me, okay? We're going to make this work. We're going to make it work. Scheming. Someone say scheming. Hey, I, I wanted to offer a disclaimer before we jump in. We have been in two weeks of doing this now. And uh, I need to do a little bit of pastoral addressing due to the fact that this is a topic that is quite new, uh, might be unfamiliar to us, uh, something that we might not have necessarily heard or fully understand. I, uh, I want to say this, and I'm going to give it a, uh, a little bit of insight into something. Um, we have to be careful. Someone say be careful. be careful. We have to be careful. Can I get a little bit more lights too, please? Turn it up just a smidge. Ah, right there. Perfect. Uh, we have to be careful to make sure that we do not claim that everything is an unclean spirit. Okay? We're talking about schemes of the enemy. And we are talking about the fact that unclean spirits are a real thing. Uh, if you don't think so, then you might have a little bit of a problem with this book. Um, but they are a real thing. And we have to be very careful of calling everything in our life a spiritual attack or an unclean spirit. Can I tell you why? Someone say, I'm responsible. The devil cannot make you do everything, and the devil cannot do everything to you. And so sometimes, can I be honest? If I, if I may, is it okay if I'm honest? Yes, yes, yes. Sometimes what we're experiencing is just a result of our flesh or a result of our decisions that we make. So let me give you an example. I'm going to give you the most surface example ever. I'm feeling really stressed. I feel like I'm just getting really attacked. Well, little do we know that you woke up 37 minutes late, couldn't get a shower, you stink, you're trying to go to work, you're behind on everything, and you're rushing through everything. Of course you're stressed because you're mismanaging your time. That's not an attack from the enemy. That's not a spiritual thing. I mismanaged me, okay? And so I just want to give you some distinction that we wage war with our flesh. There's some flesh things that we're going to deal with, and there's some decisions that we, we wrestle with that have consequences. Everyone clear? I'm not trying to say that unclean spirits aren't real, but we're not. We have to be very careful. That's unclean. That's a spirit. The devil made me. No, no, no. He, ain't, he, nah, he doesn't own you. He can't make you. Okay? Good. We're clear. The enemy wants to kill, but leave breath in our lungs. That was, I was praying about this series, and I was like, oh, my gosh. This is what he does. He doesn't want to wipe you out. He doesn't want to dismantle everything. All he wants to do is literally rob and destroy and kill and steal everything in your life, but let you walk around. That's what he wants to do. The devil, that's what he wants. Yes, we say that. Oh, the devil, that's what he wants to do. He wants to kill, but leave breath in your lungs. The thief comes only to steal. Emmy did an incredible sermon last week on the fact that he wants to steal your worship. And if he can take your eyes off of Jesus, ultimately what ends up happening is your eyes are on him. He becomes the object of your worship. Dios mio. For those who speak Spanish, that means my God. Steal. He wants to kill and destroy. So for the next two weeks, this week included, we're going to go over kill and destroy. Someone say kill your connection. That's what we're going to be talking about today. That's what he wants to do. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love this. Jesus has come 
to give everlasting life and the enemy has come to take it. So there's this war and this battle going on. Week number one, we talked about what Jesus did. He trampled on the authority and the power of the enemy. The enemy still exists. He still roams today. But the enemy has no more power and authority over those who belong to Jesus. Yet we still are dealing with some things. And so we need to be equipped and we need to be aware. Someone say, I'm aware. Any one of you, any of you, anyone, you forgive, I forgive also. And what I have forgiven, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church, and I love this. He's talking about forgiveness. Imagine if we had this type of mentality, though. If you forgave them, I forgave them. Moms in the room are like, I can never forgive that person for hurting my son. (laughs) I can never. If you can forgive, I can forgive also. And I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we're not unaware of his scheme. Someone say, he's scheming. I'll be here scheming. He's scheming. He's scheming. The devil has his schemes, but we become aware of, we will become aware of, and resist his tactics. Amen, church? That's why we're talking about this. I don't want to spend weeks, though, talking about the devil. I don't want to give him any glory. I want to talk about how we can walk with Christ and stay connected to him in our resistance of the enemy. Amen? For our struggle, though, here's, I love how the, uh, the, the book of Ephesians addresses it. For our struggle, though, and we're still struggling. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities. Know that, understand that these are all ordered words. They're very orderly. The enemy operates in his kingdom very much like an army, authority, and order, and position. Against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But I got good news. Someone say, we got good news. As we stand with Christ, we stand on the winning side of what is seen and unseen. That should be an amen. Yeah, there you go. That's what I would say in the front row. I was reading the word. And it is a portion of scripture. I love the word of God. Whenever you read something, you're like, oh my goodness, this blows my mind. I've read John, the book of John, many times. And in John chapter 15, you guys can go ahead and open your book. John chapter 15, we read the Bible here. Please get your Bibles out, get your Bibles out. You can go on your phone. That's cool too. But you know, I like the paperback stuff, okay? John chapter 15, I found some revelation on this. I've always looked at it, at this portion of scripture as a, as a, kind of like a, a, not a suggestion, but a command to to Christians to stay close. And never from the perspective of what the enemy might feel. Someone say, ooh. If you do not remain in me, Jesus says, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Bottom line for today is this. The enemy rejoices when branches are disconnected from the true vine. The enemy rejoices when branches are disconnected from the true vine. Why? They're picked up, they're thrown into the fire. He's celebrating. Y'all understand, he's trying to kill my connection. My relationship. Pull me apart, separate me. Someone say separate. That's going to be a big word that we're using today. The enemy rejoices when we're disconnected from the true vine. 
So why does he want to kill your connection? Again, we're going to jump into some theological thoughts here. Why, why would he want to kill your connection? We kind of talked about this. We see this in John chapter 15. But I want, to, I want to show you that you can be led astray and that there's consequence for those who are led astray and separated. There's another, uh, uh, another portion of scripture that I've read in such a particular way. And then since recently, I read it, especially in regards to this message. And Matthew chapter 18. Please take notes, by the way. You got some notes on the front of your chair. Please take some notes. Get a pen. Anything you need. Take some notes so that way we remember this. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray. Someone say astray. 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 Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go and search for the one that went astray? First of all, can we celebrate our God that he is that type of Jesus? Like seriously, how beautiful is that is that he would chase you and go after you. I, had a, I, I wrote this in my Bible, and I, I believe there's other, there's other um, another gospel puts it this way. It actually says he puts the sheep on his shoulders. You know that the sheep didn't have to walk home? He lifted you home. I've gone astray. Anyone else with me? It's an accident sometimes. Sometimes we look around and we're like, whoa, where'd everyone go? Oh, boy. Oh, man, I'm here. We go astray. And again, this is such a hopeful and uplifting thing. And, and, and we're looking at the scripture that's about Jesus. But again, let's paint it on the other side. Why was the shepherd so urgently going after the one that he was willing to leave? Because the one astray, what's going to happen? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than the 99 that never went astray. So, is, uh, so it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should what? Look at what happens when we go astray. Y'all connecting the dots here? And not only just astray from the shepherd, but can I say something? We are in danger when we're disconnected from our shepherd and flock. We're in danger. We're in danger when we've gone astray. For you will perish. Look at what it says in 1 Peter 5, 8. We've said this every week. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. In other words, he is here and functioning and moving physically in his kingdom. That is this world. Christ's kingdom is heaven. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone, someone say it, to devour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always mention it, Discovery Channel. Thank you, Rich Miller. You, you kept me up all those late nights watching about these gazelles in the desert, okay? When you, when you are the one, when you're the one wildebeest that stays too long at the water, those lions are coming after you. They don't go after the pack. They'll get trampled when they go and attack the pack. They go after the one. So those that are separated, someone say Separated. That's what we're going to be focusing on today. Those that are separated can be devoured. Can. Wow, Nick, this is pretty scary. Oh, my goodness, I don't want to be devoured. Can I give you some encouragement? 
Do you know that the enemy cannot force you and me to separate? He can't force you to separate. He can only entice, whisper, pull away, do some external things to get us to go astray. I want to read some scripture with y'all. And I read this and I save this for particular moments because I get like all like uh, fired up. You ever read the Bible and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm about to explode, okay? Jesus says that nothing, someone say nothing, nothing can separate us from his love. Put this up there. If God is for us, someone say it. Who can be against us? Who can? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, look at this, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised, someone say raised, raised to life. We're about to be Easter, folks. I'm getting ready, okay, was raised to life. Is at the right hand of God. In other words, he's not here on this earth anymore. He's at the right hand of God, okay, and is also interceding. He's speaking for us on our behalf. He's up there saying, hey, yep, they're good, they're good. Ah, ah. You know, he's interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. Someone say no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Put this up there. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life. Someone say it. No. Yeah. And then neither angels nor demons. They can't force you to separate. Those unclean spirits can't force you to separate. Mm -mm. Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I need a resounding amen in this place. Nothing can separate you. Nothing can separate you. It cannot force you to separate. So here's the problem, and especially we're talking about the series scheming. Because he cannot force us, someone say he can't force me. Because he cannot force us, the enemy needs to form schemes to get us to separate and disconnect. Does that make sense? Everyone, everyone following along? He can't separate, so he's going to do some schemes to get you separated. He's going to do some behind-the-scenes stuff to get you disconnected from the shepherd and again I'm going to say it the flock hmm. can I give you a little bit more theology how do we get separated in the first place how do we become separated in the first place ultimately ultimately the answer is sin there was this beautiful garden and this paradise. God walked, walked amongst men, Adam and Eve, and there was this beautiful place. Everything that they could need and want was right there, and especially that. But you know what made paradise paradise? They were transparent with each other and walking with God. They were walking with God. And you might have read this scripture before, for the wages of sin is death. Can I give you something? Hold on. Uh, did anyone sin this morning? Maybe you stubbed your toe and you said a word. You didn't die. Wait a second. Hmm. 
If the wages of sin, can you put this up here? The final wage of sin is death. The immediate consequence of sin is separation. Notice that in the garden, whenever they took of the fruit, they were deceived and they ate. They didn't die right then and there. God said, hey, you're separated. And ultimately through that separation, death has come upon mankind. It is something that we cannot avoid. So the final wage of sin What ultimately happens to us is death because of our sin nature. But the immediate consequence of our sin and our brokenness, our decision making, can make us separate. Can I put this up here for those who might not know that scripture? For the wages of sin is death. I've read that before and was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Immediate, and the immediate consequence is separation. But notice, look at the context around here. But the free gift of God is eternal life. The context is eternity. So that is the final wage. But the immediate, the immediate consequence is separation. But here's a beautiful thing. Here's a beautiful thing. That's Romans 6, 23. The beautiful thing is, is that we, through Christ Jesus, someone say through Jesus, we can draw near to God. Though we fall short, We can draw near to our Savior who has given us life. Even though we do take a season away or we step back and we miss something and and we make a mistake or whatever it be and we find ourselves separated, can I give you some good hope is that you can come right back into the flock. You can come right back into God's presence. Look at what it says in James 4. It says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. We gotta get that mess a little bit under control and, and we got to sort things out and let's draw near to him. And it's in the drawing near to him that all of that mess falls away. Everything is cleaned. Everything is purified. So we can draw near to God. That's a beautiful thing. Don't think because you make one mistake after this church service because it might happen in 37 seconds. Don't think that you're separated forever and ever and it's over. You can come right back. But here's a good question for today. And this is the concept of separation. What happens to those who walk a life constantly disconnected and separated? What happens to those who do not follow the way, the truth, and the life? Not only that, but what what happens to those who might have attended, but just don't care about it, believe in it, haven't given their life to Jesus, what happens? What happens? Please go to John 15 with me. John chapter 15. It's kind of towards the end, middle-ish maybe, like three quarters of the way through. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, please. He says this, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. I love that. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Sorry, just so you know, as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and a believer in the way, the truth, and the life, there are going to be pruning seasons. This journey with Jesus is not all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it was, but it's not. It's going to be pruning. We've got to be open to that. You get pruned so that you can grow more. Okay? Pruning. He prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. I love that. Someone say remain. Oh, someone say it again. Remain. Remain. That's the big word for today. 
and the concept of separation and disconnectedness, remain is the big word. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, someone say it again, remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Church, can I give you the greatest challenge for believers in the midst of the enemy's schemes? The greatest challenge for you and for me in the midst of all the enemy throws at us is to remain. I thought that was going to be received a lot better. <laughs> it kind of like blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh. That is the greatest challenge for you and for me. We found this faith. We're connected to the vine. We're around other branches. The only challenge for you and for me is to remain. Don't be led astray. Don't wander off. You simply just need to remain. Someone say, I got to remain. That's the greatest challenge. The enemy hates when you remain. Hates it. I'm the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's that word apart. So again, we're mentioning disconnectedness. Can I tell you that there are many people with noble causes and meaningful things that they want to do in their life, but without Jesus, can I tell you something? Disconnected from Him, we find that our works, our words, and efforts are fruitless. <gasps> Nick, there's many people who are doing many crazy and amazing things. That's not necessarily true. Next week, we're going to talk about what heavenly fruit is. Because the world might be trying to convince you that fruit in the world is heavenly fruit. That might not be the case. Okay, so there's people delivering supplies to troops across the world and people who are in war. That's amazing. But are they spreading the message of Jesus and restoring and saving people's souls? Right? It looks like a fruit. kind of smells like it, but it might not be. Disconnected from him, I'm telling you, church, I've felt this in my own life. Disconnected from him, we find that our works, our efforts, and our words are fruitless. They are. They are. If you don't feel that way, argue with Jesus about it. Anyways, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. We shared this earlier. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away, ripped off the tree and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Bomber. Hmm. There's a consequence to being disconnected. But on the vice versa, and I'll say it again, the enemy rejoices at these branches that are picked up and burned. The enemy rejoices. The enemy rejoices. It wraps up, essentially, again, continuing the same verbiage. If you remain in me and my words, someone say my words. Oh, I love that. Is this word remaining in you? Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit. He will teach you and remind you of things that Jesus has said and done. How will he remind you if you haven't read it in the first place? We need to have the words remain in us. 
If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Why? Because you're following him and you're connected to the vine. I had this sermon called, uh, it was a sermon on the vine, but I, I said this statement, branches ask branch questions, right? The branch says, I need more nutrients. It doesn't say I need a, a, a $110 million house. No. It asks branch questions. It is concerned with branch things. Don't need no house. It will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I love that. I love that. We belong to Jesus. We belong to Christ, a Savior that desires to connect and remain with us, his creation. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. And as we remain in him, we bear much fruit, and we live a life that we were designed to live, a part of the true vine and a part of a tree that is magnificent and beautiful and healthy and flourishing. I want to be a part of that tree. So I wrote this down. How does he separate us, Nick? What is, how, does he kill, how does he kill my connection? Because again, part of this series is to equip you with the truth and let you guys see kind of what can happen behind the scenes. So that way, the enemy might not outwit us and we become aware of his schemes, right? Does anyone want to know? Satan's separation schemes. So preachy. That's my job. That's my job. I can't say it quick. Don't, don't challenge me. Satan's separation scheme. Okay. I, th I, th I found three of them. And I think there's a lot more. But I think that we can kind of see this throughout Scripture and we can see some, some incredible things. And can I tell you something? We're talking about separation, especially from our shepherd, but separation within the flock. Do you know that the church, I, I, yeah, I just got to say it, that we are incredibly disunified and separated. And what a shame that is. There are churches who talk poorly of other churches. There are churches who judge people that come to their church that have come from other churches. There's this grip on your people. Oh, you can't go to that church. And then we call them words like cults and we talk trash on their pastor. Can I tell you that there is perhaps the, one of the greatest examples of division and separation might actually be the church. Ugh. due to the enemy's schemes. You can be a pastor, you know the word, and you're all high and mighty. You can be a pastor and still slip into these things. So we gotta talk about some things that really separate us. One, ultimately from our Savior, but also from one another. Why? Because when you stray away from the flock, can I tell you, I have a bonus at the end. Bonus. Hey, hoo-ha, hoo-ha, ha, ha, hey, bonus, bonus, bonus. The church is vital. The flock is vital. And, and I'll tell you what, if, if the enemy can separate the flock and tear us apart, oh, he's just going to pick us off one by one by one. So first one is this. One of the greatest schemes that the enemy has is division. A lack of unity amongst believers. All you have to simply do is, is look at the denominations of churches, and you can see that there's a lot of division. 
how many different denominations are there? We're non-denominational. Do you know that that's a denomination? Nice job, guys. Hey. There's so many divisions. So many divisions. There's this book by John Brevere called The Bait of Satan. Someone say, Bait of Satan. Oh, I wish all of you can read it in one minute and just like soak it in because it is a book that is all about offense. One of the greatest schemes and one of the greatest way to divide people is offense. <sighs> Jesus, give me the words to say. Um, you can go on social media for three and a half seconds and feel very offended. In fact, dare I say it's designed to. Dare I say it's designed to be the most divisive tool to tear apart humanity so that we hate one another, Christians hating Christians, so the whole world can see how Christians hate Christians. <laughs> no wonder people don't want to be a part of this. So offense is a big thing. Offense is a big thing. Offense is someone hurts me, and I feel that I have justification or reasons why I can go and hurt them back or hate them or treat them differently. I can hold a grudge against them, and they don't have to be a part of my life. I understand. But the church needs to stop being offended. Really. Really, the church needs to stop being offended. And in fact, the Bible gives us many commands to cover offense. We don't have that right. I love that. We don't have that right to be offended. Can I give you a little hint about unconditional love? <gasps> unconditional love gives people the permission to hurt you over and over and over again. And love still prevails. Okay, let's jump into it. Proverbs 17, 9. Please write this down. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter, what's the word? Separates. Offense is such a great separation tool. Why? Because you feel justified in that separation. Why? Because you have every right and reason to be justified and every right and reason to hate, every right and reason to get that person out of your life. So whoever covers an offense seeks love. Can I say that perhaps whoever exposes an offense or carries it on and repeats the matter perhaps doesn't operate in love. And dare I say uh, that God is love. So we're not acting in a godly way or in a way that models his nature and character. Here's a word, hatred. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. There's that strife word, hatred. Can I tell you how many believers I've heard? We had this, we, we did this in a series. We, we had a series called, You Believe That? You Believe That? And we talked about the fact that Christians say they hate people. I don't, I don't think we can do that. We're commanded to hate what is evil, not who. Not who is evil. 
In fact, I think that we have to love people and, and, and stand in belief and intercede for people. Standing in belief that God can rescue and redeem and save every soul. How can you pray that prayer adequately with hate in your heart towards that person? You can't. And in fact, God might actually try to use you to go and reach the person that you hate. And then look at this model of separation. We're in Proverbs. I know, I know we just did a series on wisdom, okay? We're gonna look at this more, okay? Proverbs chapter 18. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. Quarreling is like the bars. Bars of a castle are meant to separate. Can y'all see what offense does? Offense tears apart the church. Uh, um, yeah. So, so the there are many topics. There are many topics that. Oh, I'm gonna say it like this. There are many topics that exist outside of this that we get offended at and separate because of. So there are things that happen outside of our church. And not even the word of God itself that we get so upset, so fervent, so angry about that we separate from one one another based off of principles, doctrines, philosophies, ideas, decisions that are made outside of the church. Can I give you one of them? Masks. How I would never go to that church. Look, that's a room full of people just, oh, no, 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 they're wearing masks. I can't be a part of it. We hate people for for doing that. And we cause so much offense and strife because someone is choosing to wear a mask or not. Tougher topics like abortion. (gasps) That pastor says it's okay. This pastor says no. And we divide and separate. I, I, I feel like we just need to get back to what really matters and what the truth really is. And that's just the word, period. I don't want my opinion in on anything, and I don't really care about my opinion. I'm not smart. I'm not infinitely wise. I just know that this is. And we get offended over topics that we don't fully conceptualize, nor do we fully know the whole scope of everything. God sees all of it. And we think that we know it. And we get offended, and we push people away, or we run away from churches. I don't know just perplexed by that. I don't know if I want to allow things outside of the church to dictate what happens within the church and how we operate with love towards one another. Hmm. So we got we to get aside. We got to toss aside a fence. Can I give you some sobering thing, a sobering thought to consider? Um, that unforgiveness is unforgivable. Uh, it says in the word, it says in the word that God will forgive as you forgive others. In other words, if you hold resentment, bitterness, and unforgiveness in your heart, be careful. If you hold that offense and you're holding on to it with full grips, be careful. Okay, I feel like I'm rambling. I'm gonna go to the number two. Satan's separation schemes. Number two is this. Someone say doctrine. This is a really big thing. Philosophies that lead us astray. Philosophies that lead us astray. There's two areas of philosophies and ideology. There are philosophies in the church, and there are 
philosophies outside of us. Obviously, when I say outside of us, there's a myriad of different religions, philosophies, ideas, ways of operation. But I'm going to put it simply that there are philosophies that occur within the church, in our context, and then there are philosophies that occur outside of us. So I want to talk about philosophies within. Keep watch. Someone say, keep watch. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. We shared that earlier in worship. What a huge privilege that is, that you, you have the privilege of walking through this experience and shepherding a church and walking with the church and building the church. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. This happens within the walls. Look at this sobering statement next. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw what? Away. Disciples after them. Um, we have to be careful. This is why for me, for me personally, um, I, <laughs> you know why I share so much scripture with you guys? Because I don't care about what I say. I really don't care about what I say. This is not an hour Nick Miller TED Talk. I really have nothing that great to say. This is what the, the truth of everything is. You, we need this. And there are going to be preachers and teachers. It says, it, says, um, it says in Scripture that Satan's servants will clothe themselves or disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Apostles and teachers. In other words, some of the servants of Satan are going to be holding this thing and preaching a message at you. They're going to be preaching a message at you. So please don't take the word of a preacher. Go read the word for yourself. That's the beautiful thing about the gift that we've been given. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, God, for your word that I can read it. That I can read it. You know, can I, can I address a cultural thing that happens? Can we stop quoting? Mm, can we stop can we stop quoting, I'm going to say it this way. Can we stop quoting Instagram pastors and quote the word of God? Please, please. I know that there's some eloquent things being said. I know that they're brilliant and they are inspired men of God led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not questioning that. But we look at their words as heavenly words and not this thing. Please, 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 please read your Bible. I said it in small group the other a, a few weeks ago. I don't know. I don't know how you can follow the way, the truth, and the life, and follow it truly if you don't have this in your hands and aren't reading it. I don't get it. I don't get it. There are pastors that, when confronted, say, "Put your Bible away. Just talk with me. Get out. Out, 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 out." Anyone that says, "Put the Bible away," out, out, out. There are going to be people that try leading you astray. You have to know the truth. And, and the thing is, is that the enemy can't force you. You are responsible. It says in the scripture to test the spirits. Can I tell you something? Can I give you a challenge today? Please test me. No, I'm, I'm, I'm being actually really serious. If there's any question, anything that you see that doesn't fit here, please come talk with me. 
I'm absolutely open. But there are people that are going to be in positions of authority, especially within the church, that are designed to pull away. Clothed, clothed as servants of righteousness. Please be careful. Then not only that, but see to it. Look at what it says in Colossians. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. So we're talking about there's going to be philosophical infiltration in the church and there are going to be philosophies that happen outside of the church that are going to try pulling us away. Okay, so I'm gonna, I, I, need to be, I need to be incredibly selective with my words because I want to honor all people, and I know that all of us have differing opinions on things, and, and we can see things differently. That's what makes the church so beautiful is that we're many parts, but we're one, okay? I'm going to also ask for this as well. Can y'all forgive me and offer me grace in the presentation of this thought? Because it is hard. <laughs> like, I, I prepare, but there's a, I'm human, guys. I'm human. Um, so there is, there is a danger. There's this book. Uh, please, if you're a book reader, write this down. It's called Fault Lines by Vody Bauckham. Oh, what a man. Vody Bauckham. Fault Lines. Vody Bauckham. There's something, there's something happening in the world that is a philosophy outside. Someone say Outside but then has become a scheme that is embraced inside. Okay? There's a philosophy outside in the world that is being embraced on the inside. And we also acknowledged earlier in this series that the greatest student of the Word of God is the enemy himself. Okay? So he can present a philosophy, make it, overwhelmingly similar to the Word of God, and we eat it up. Okay? Again, I'm human. Offer me grace. Uh, recently, over the past three, four years, the social justice movement has become very, very, very apparent. Can I tell you that my heart breaks with those who are breaking, that I desire justice and mercy. And that I want to see God heal people. I want to see God heal people. I want to see God rescue souls. But there is something that is happening in the social justice movement that I feel does not align biblically. And, and what has happened is there is a justice that is being proposed that doesn't align with the word of God, yet churches are adopting it as their own. And not only that, not only that, the organization in particular, and I am, I am going to say it, the BLM organization in particular is led by those outside of our faith. Uh, can I be even more forward? They are witches. The CEOs and the, uh, 
the, the people facilitating BLM are witches. Lesbian witches. Um, I, I have to present you details. And and I was reading and I was watching, I was, uh, you know, obviously everything with George, I, again, I, I hate when injustice is done. My heart breaks for those who are breaking. I want healing. I want peace and unity in this world. That is absolutely what I want. That's absolutely what I stand for. But when it becomes distorted, I have a little bit of a problem with that. And, and so I was, I was reading an article and I saw a billboard a BLM billboard that, um, you know, was, was about BLM and the injustices that happened uh, to, to uh, the African-American community. And, and uh, it said this scripture. If you got your book, go to Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6. So here are these professed witches putting on a billboard... Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So these leaders of this organization put this on a billboard, and we aren't seeing the full picture. In this book, Fault Lines, again, Vody Bauckham, I just want to tell you a little bit about him. He's Southern Baptist. He is a, an African-American pastor who's been pastoring for a long time. So this was very controversial that he was writing on this topic. And he was saying something to the effect of, without understanding the whole story, Proverbs 18 says it like this, it is to your folly and shame to speak before listening to the entire story. And to understand everything that's going on, it can be used and manipulated. And then not only that, but throw a Micah 6-8 sticker on it and call it Jesus, led by these people who are not of this faith and actually quite different. By the way, you can go and research this. You can go and look up these people. I have her, I have the, the person's name, and if you have questions, you can talk with me about it. But... Um, Essentially, essentially, this organization is led by people outside of us, but quoting the book that we adhere to. I don't know. I don't know. And there's this massive separation and this massive tension in our world because the enemy is scheming. It's not bringing unity, it's bringing division. Honestly, we have people in this world scared of one another fearful of one another when really I just think that God wants us to engage and be friends and make peace and talk and discuss but offense is so poof, offense it's all just immediately right there and then these false doctrines and these false beliefs come in and we have preachers saying we have preachers saying if you're woke you're not saved and we have other preachers saying if you ain't woke you're not saved and we got some crazy things happening it's not his word it's not his word. But what is happening is there's something being proposed by those outside of the church that is being adopted by the church, and that can be really detrimental. That can be really detrimental. Hmm. Please give me grace. Even I don't know the full scope of that whole scenario and what is happening. But we need to seek true biblical justice true biblical mercy, 
true biblical love. Number three scheme is this, distraction. This is a big one. Um, I, <laughs> this, this could be in the smallest forms. This can be the biggest forms. Distraction. Uh, can I say that, that even political parties can be an incredible distraction? I believe this, and I believe this, and I'm involved in everything that's going on with the left, or I'm involved with everything that's going on on the right. And we so care about these big things that are happening in this world that we forget to even read or focus on this. The first person that we listen to is this person before listening to God's word. We have all these things pulling at us and distracting us. Meaningless or harmful engagement in worldly things that separate us. They distract us and pull us apart. There's big things and then there's little things. Nick Miller plays video games. Yes, I do. And it's a distraction. And I know that. I enjoy it. And I'm not saying you can't enjoy life. I'm not saying you need to be a monk and just be on your face and knees every second of your life. But there are certainly distractions that can pull us away. Big and small. Look at this story. This is about Martha. I love it even, oh my goodness, look at this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha, someone say Martha. Hi Martha, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, someone say Mary. Hi Mary. Okay, who sat at the Lord's feet. In the midst of everything else that could be happening, what was she focused on? Jesus. She was sitting in proximity, closeness, and listening. But Martha was what? Distracted. Even in, with a noble thing, distracted with much serving. I think that there are, are, are believers that, uh, that even with noble, biblically-based things actually get distracted from a relationship with God. I'm the mightiest servant, and I'm a super humble man, and, and, and I'm doing all these things, but I, and, and I'm, I'm giving, and I'm, I'm super gracious, and I'm, I'm doing all of these things, but we forget to include Jesus in our life. Look at this. This is a noble cause. She was serving. And as she went up to him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Tell her to help me. Uh, but the Lord answered, Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things. Call it distractions. You're anxious and nervous about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Distractions are all around us. Different pursuits, different things pulling at us, right? Again, biblical or uh, uh, political parties can be a distraction. They're pulling us away and away, and we forget about the one thing. We know everything that's happening on CNN or Fox, but we don't remember the last time we read that. I know everything going on in Ukraine. When, when, when did you invest in this? We can forget the one thing. I love this. If you've been raised with Christ, this is in Colossians. If then you have been raised with Christ, if you're a believer in the way, the truth, and life, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Chase after those things where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on earth. In other words, don't get distracted. Chase after him with everything you've got. Don't look to the left or to the right. Distraction. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So we got to look out for offense. I'm just, I'm constantly considering what to say. We got to look out for offense, right? We got to look out for doctrines. We got to look out for distractions, for they can separate us. Someone say bonus. Bonus. The church cannot save you, but it can keep you. You're not saved because you're sitting in row three. That doesn't save you. But we can certainly protect you. What was happening earlier this morning when we were praying over a brother in Christ, that, that is keeping you. And how can we keep you if you're not here and willing to throw aside dignity and find your freedom? I can't keep you if I don't see you. The scripture talks about not forgetting to meet as some are in the habit of doing. I am not a mind reader. And I can't keep you if you're far away. I can protect. When you're close, I can offer wisdom. I can protect. I'm not even the greatest at it, but I can, I can walk with you through this. But one of the greatest things and one of the greatest tragedy, in my opinion, we actually have a, a card at the welcome desk that if you, if you are, are not connecting with what is happening here, there's 12, 15 other churches that we would highly recommend y'all go to because we know that you have to be attached to a flock in order to continue to keep walking. I don't care if it's core or not. Go find a flock. Go find the shepherd, the earthly shepherd that you're supposed to be under. For the sake of your salvation and for the sake of your soul so that you're not devoured, please go find a flock. That's why, like, we talked and we prayed about doing church daily. We talked about it, and now we're here. We're like, oh, my God, everyone chill out, okay? But now we're here. Now we're here, and we're doing church daily. And I'll tell you what, it's keeping us, and it's protecting us, and it's growing us. I'm not just, the church is not just, I'm, we're not just trying to get higher numbers in a small group. Literally, can I tell you, the strongest people here, the people who are, are flourishing right now, are throwing themselves as much into the flock as possible. I just have to be true. I can't save you, but we can surely keep you. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes, a book on wisdom. Two are better than one. They have good return for their work. If either of them falls down, someone say falls down, one can help the other up. That sounds a lot like keeping you. But pity anyone who falls, someone say it, and has no one. So my ultimate concern is your connectedness with your Savior above everything. But if you call this home, please don't disconnect. Stick with the flock. Let's keep each other. Amen? Again, in, in, in my heart, please, uh, we brought up tough topics. If you have questions, come talk with me. Uh, I am a man. Please forgive me. Um, but we got to talk about some things, yeah? Because I, I don't want the enemy to outwit us. The enemy rejoices when branches are disconnected from the true vine. Let's not be disconnected, amen, church? Let's stay together. Let's stay connected to the true vine. Let's chase after Jesus with everything we've got. For even if we are far off and even if we make a mistake like the prodigal son, we can come back and he'll wrap his arms around us, amen? Draw near to God. He can be close.
Let's pray. God, thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Thank you that you have uh, anointed and protected this conversation so that it may be heard uh, with, with discernment and wisdom. And, and God, I pray that uh, if there's anything that I said, God, bring clarity to it right now in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Teach us the truth. I am man. I don't know everything. And so I just pray that these words would sit and reside within us and that your Holy Spirit would bring truth and clarity to these things. God, I pray that we would not be offended with brothers or sisters in Christ. I pray that we would put all of those aside so that we may uh, walk with love and truly cover one another and see connectedness happen in our church, but not just our church, but the church as a whole. God, I pray that there would be no, uh, that we would be able to see your truth. Thank you, God, for your word so that there would be no distortion of doctrine within this place so that we would not be separated or drawn away, but we would stay close to your truth, your way, and your life. And God, I pray, I pray against any distractions this week if there is something in our life that needs to cast aside so that we can draw closer to you, so that we can stay connected to you, God, I pray that we would get all those distractions and toss them out of our life in Jesus' mighty name. And ultimately, I want to pray for a group of people. The ultimate connection is salvation. And without giving your life to him, we are, we are in a state of disconnectedness. Jesus came so that you may have life and life to the full, life everlasting. And he died and rose again to set you free here on earth, but also for eternal life. He saw the iniquity and the sin of man. And instead of like, a, like <laughs> what we deserved, he turned his eyes towards us and said, I'm going to do something about my creation. I'm going to do something so that I can connect with them and walk with them for all of eternity. And so God looked at his son and he said, son, we need you to go down and you need to live a perfect life in the midst of persecution and, and, and trouble. And I need you to take the sin of every man and woman, not just those who like you, but everyone. Put it on your shoulders, go to the grave and rise again so that the enemy would be defeated. Our ultimate connection begins with Christ. And if you haven't invited Christ in your heart today, I want to give you this opportunity. Believers aren't looking around. They're not judging you. And, and I'm telling you, this is the greatest, most important moment of your life. And so do not miss this moment. If you need Jesus in your life, I want to offer him to you today. All you have to simply do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is your Lord and Savior. And you will be saved. And you will be connected with the Savior of the universe. Dare I say it like this? You won't be thrown away in the end. If you need this Jesus, I want to challenge you. Will you raise your hand on the count of three? That's an outward way of saying, yeah, I'm in on this and I need this Jesus. I give my life to him. One, two, don't miss this chance. Three, if that's you, go ahead and raise your hand. For those who made that decision in their heart to give their life to Jesus today, can you just pray this? And if you made that decision, sit in your seat, just pray this in your heart. God, I give you my life. I believe that you died and rose again to set me free, that you sent your son to die and rise again for me. I'm excited to walk a connected life with you for the rest of my days here on earth and for the days that are yet to come for all eternity. I turn away from my past and I'm ready to step in all that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for me. You 
are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said amen. Can we lift up a shout of praise for those who made that?